If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to episode 153 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to review the 127th Boston Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners welcome to the special episode of the marathon running podcast where we recap and review the 2023 boston marathon i'm letty i'm ryan and we are the hosts of this very podcast. Welcome if you're new and welcome back if you've listened to us before. We are happy that you chose us to listen on your run, on your drive, or whatever it is that you're doing right now. So what makes this a special episode? Special because it's the Boston Marathon and it's kind of the runner's mecca, as we've discussed previously. It's a very great event that most runners want to experience at least one time in their life. And hopefully this episode will entice you to perhaps participate next year either by qualifying or by joining one of those amazing charities and with that we're going to start with a fun fact ryan did you know that the charities were able to collect 40 million dollars by having their charity runners fundraise it is a lot of money i think that those running events always seem to be a good opportunity to raise money how does the charity work so basically, you apply to the charities, you even have to write an essay in, with your application and submit that and write in there what your marketing plan is and how you're going to raise those funds. Um, I have a friend that was participating in a charity, shout out to Stephanie. She raised $8,500 for the public library. Yeah, it is cool. It's a kind of a way for the you know people of Boston Marathon or people that organize Boston Marathon to encourage raising money for charities, which is pretty neat at a minimal cost to them. Absolutely. So for the people that don't run marathons routinely, that may not know the significance of the Boston Marathon, can you explain it to them? Sure, yeah. So the Boston Marathon is the world's oldest annual marathon and one of the most prestigious races in the world. It's known for its challenging course, enthusiastic spectators, and its rich history. So let's talk about that history a little bit. The Boston Marathon was first run in 1897 and has been annually held on Patriot's Day, which is the third Monday in April, basically since 1969. It's a point-to-point -point course. It starts at Hopkinton, Massachusetts, and finishes at uh, Boston's Copley Square. So 
It has iconic moments uh, in in its history, like I said, uh, including the 1967 Catherine Switzer becoming the first woman to officially run the Boston Marathon, despite being physically attacked by the race official who tried to remove her from the course, because that was a time where women weren't allowed to run certain sports events. So she just ran out the course? Like she just ran out onto the course and started running it? She signed up using her initials. Oh. And then was dressed in a sweatsuit and she was running with her boyfriend at the time when the course director saw her, or I'm sorry, the race director saw her, he tried to physically grab her and pull her off the course, but uh, her then boyfriend kind of blocked the guy so she was able to continue running it and finishing it. Prior to her, there had been another woman who ran the marathon, which that was in 1966, and that was Bobby Gibb, but she hadn't actually signed up, whereas Catherine Switzer had signed up. And then were women allowed to run after that? No, women weren't allowed to run the marathon and officially participate till 1972. And that was because prior to that race, organizers said that they thought women were physiologically incapable of running races. It's kind of funny because they used to say, I think that a woman's uterus would fall out at mile two. Or so. So if you run certain races like Miami, sometimes you'll find funny signs on the side of the streets that say, this is a spot where you're going to lose your uterus. <laughs> so anyway, so um, another thing that happened 10 years ago that is also deeply in the history of the Boston Marathon is that in 2013, there was a terrorist attack uh, when two bombs exploded near the finish line, killing three people and injuring hundreds at the Boston Marathon. So the race has since become a symbol of resilience and determination. And this year was the 10th anniversary of the Boston bombing. So for that, for this anniversary, they had a ceremony where bagpipers were playing and the families of those killed were doing some kind of procession and walking to the memorial sites near the finish line. And they were laying down reefs. And uh, included in the ceremony was the Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, who was also walking with Governor Maura Healy. And at each memorial site, they stood with the families in silence. And then afterwards, they had a brief uh, ceremony where they were ringing bells, followed by moments of silence. So did you actually watch a documentary about this? Yes, I actually found out while I was waiting for my flight at the airport on Thursday night that Netflix had released a docuseries called American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon bombing by director Floyd Russ. And I do recommend anyone watching this because it is for this 10 year anniversary. And I believe we should always be aware of what happened historically. And basically this docuseries details the 2013 incident um, by speaking to former police officers, spectators, runners, EMTs, journalists, and all of them talk about the events and how they found out. And as they talk to those victims, they discuss the history of the marathon and Patriot's Day and give a timeline of the events and chaos that followed the events, including those hundreds of hours that it took them to hunt those brothers down who had, um, you know, done the bombing. Um, it's three parts. Each part is about one hour long and it's pretty intense. So, you know, as, as much as I liked watching it, it was 
almost like I wish I would have watched it either before or after the Boston weekend. But given those circumstances, there was a lot of police presence for not just us runners, but even more so for the people that were there to spectate. I had a lot of friends that had come out to watch the marathon and it felt really safe because there was a ton of police everywhere. Netflix seems to have a knack for releasing things with good timing. They do. They really do. And, you know, again, if I hadn't gone to Boston and still after, I highly recommend this docuseries. It uh, has a lot of detail, but it was just kind of crazy watching it right on the flight to Boston. Yeah. Maybe should have watched it after. Absolutely. <laughs> but. Yeah. So on a happier note, your favorite part of podcasting. Race recaps and race reviews. That's right, Rain. Yep. So you did mention to me on your Letty scale of one to ten what you would rate what you would rate the the race. So you want to reiterate or go back to that? Yeah. So I'd give this a ten out of ten. But that's not what you said right after it, right? You were like, I would rate it like a six out of ten right when you were done running it. Um, but you also acknowledged that afterwards you'll probably rate it higher. So I guess the Letty rating scale of marathons is a. Uh, not a very accurate one, huh? It's not accurate because I take into account the whole weekend and I definitely give this marathon weekend a 12 out of 10. <laughs> okay, for a quick background, I'm an engineer and so 12 out of 10 is like irritating to me because you can't have 12 out of 10. But Letty loves doing that. Probably partially to irritate me, but... Um, a 10 out of 10 because it was a great race. But yeah, now that you say it, I do remember having a few complaints and we'll get into those, but let's do this chronologically. Back to the beginning. I like to generally do the recaps and I try to organize you into like your experience going there and during it and everything else. So... Um, cause it's like you say, the whole trip, not just the run. So, um, obviously we live in Florida for people that don't know, but so you flew out to Boston, what day? I flew out Thursday night. And the marathon's on Monday. Yes. So what'd you do? Well, I flew out early because I wanted to attend the press conference on Friday Usually I would say get there on Saturday because there's a lot of stuff to do. It's kind of like a runner's convention I want to describe it as. So I kind of want to hear more details about it too, but can you tell us your experience at the press conference? Sure, yeah. So there were the professional women and professional men. So we have for professional women, for those of you who are nerdy like me, who look runners up, we had Biza, Bates, Barizo, Jebrilis, Sarah Hall... Des Linden, Nell Rojas, Manuela Scher, and a few more. And then for the men's field, we had CJ Albertsons, Evans Chabet, we had Scott Fawel, Gabriel Gay, Marcel Hug, Elliot Kipchoge, Benson Kipruto, Albert Courier, and his brother John Courier, and also a few more. But those are just the names that normally you would recognize. There were a lot of translators there to help the athletes speak to us. And yeah, so that was an event. First, the athletes were greeted by the Boston Committee, and then a few of them were interviewed on the stage. And afterwards, the athletes were available sitting at their little tables to be interviewed one-on-one. -on -one. So not only from a journalistic standpoint, but also from a fan, it was fun to see the fast runners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like the journalists weren't half as excited to be there as me as a fangirl. <laughs> I was I was super excited, you know, recognizing these super fast athletes that we're normally never around. So that was really cool. 
Um, so you got to ask a question. I did. I did ask a few questions and I videotaped those questions and they are available on our Instagram. And hopefully with time, we can figure out video editing and eventually in the future, we'll have some YouTube videos. Not from this press conference. That was my learning experience, but hopefully we'll get there with time. So maybe we have to brainstorm that a bit, but... Absolutely. We're going to start brainstorming. So to get back on track, press conference, that was your first experience. Hopefully they'll let you come back next year because that was that would be kind of neat. Um, and now we're into Saturday? No, we're still Friday. So after the press conference, I decided to go to the expo, which I usually love expos, as you know. But this expo... At the time I was going, it was probably one o'clock. It was too much, Ryan. I literally went in, got my bib, and then went through the main area of the expo where you can purchase things. And it was too much. Just seeing how long the line was to pay for something was such a big turnoff. It was so crowded. You couldn't even spread your hands out and have enough room. So I chose to just get the bib and get out of there. I wasn't going to stand in line to purchase anything for two hours. I did have a friend who was in line to buy Spike the unicorn. And I think she was in line for well more than an hour. That's saying a lot too, though, because you don't really like care much about crowds. I mean, I've been in situations like in the Honolulu Marathon. It was pretty, pretty busy, but like you didn't really even care. So it must have been really busy. It was super busy. <laughs> it's probably better other days, but then yeah, I guess you risk not having as many things to buy potentially if they sell out. I think that's exactly what it is. And that's why people were crowding it so much because there are certain items. Adidas was the only uh, provider of running attire. I think they had the monopoly for this expo. So they have certain items in certain sizes and people really want to get those items and if they get there too late maybe they won't get it so i think that's the reason i agree with you that there's probably a better time to go to the expo but this weekend was so filled with events normally i would have probably gone back but i just chose not to this time yeah i'm sure adidas must have some contract with you know the boston marathon for exclusivity related to sailing of merchandise but what's the next stage of your trip i met up with some friends from well that i knew locally and also some other friends that i knew from facebook running groups and we went to joey's on newberry which is a restaurant and we dined in and it was uh, busy but we were seated pretty much right away and hung out there for a while is that a famous restaurant or uh, somehow significant to the running of the marathon I think it's just a restaurant that is right there, like really close to uh, Copley Square where they had FanFest and all that stuff. So what's FanFest? Is it like not part of the expo, I assume? No, it's not part of the expo. It's basically there's Copley Square, which is an area close to the expo. And on that area, they have different stages. One stage is for music and then there's another stage where they host panels so basically famous runners and other guests are being brought on for all the runners that are in the area to come and listen to and the boston marathon does release a schedule which lets you know who's speaking when and what so live music too yes live music too and how crowded was it is it more than the expo or better it's better i think because it's outside but 
it's more and less busy depending on who's on the panel. So one of the panels was Elliot Kipchoge being asked questions and that was completely, you know, super busy and others weren't as busy. It's an event that they basically have all weekend long. They had panels Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Is the expo open too? Is the FanFest and expo open all weekend? Because I mean, the race is until Monday. Yes, both of them are open at the same time. Okay, that's neat. And so we're only on Friday, so you still have Saturday and Sunday? Yes, we still have Saturday and Sunday. What'd you do? So Saturday was the Boston Marathon 5K or the Boston 5K event. In the morning? In the morning at 8.30 or 8 o'clock. And it was pretty amazing. I spectated it. Fast runners, the first one coming in at 13 minutes. Um, prize money for this event is $7,500. So for any listeners that want to train and make a pretty high dollar per hour, that will be the event for you because I think that's a pretty high amount of prize money compared to other 5Ks. After that, we went to breakfast at the Paramount, which is also just north of the Commons. Very good breakfast. Also, again, we didn't have to wait too long. And then after that, I went to a Puma organized shakeout run, where I also got to meet Laura Green. If you're not following her on Instagram, she's a running comedian. And Kafuzi, who is a YouTuber who has race review videos and videos of him being very humble at attempting to go sub three, which he finally did. So that was really cool. It was a very great event, especially given that Puma let you try out their running shoes. And here we were, didn't even know that Puma had running shoes. It's always fun to be able to try stuff like that. It's like demo day for shoes. That's exactly what it was. They let you trade in your shoes for those shoes. And by the time it was time to return my shoes, I kind of almost wanted to keep them. I'm sure they rely on that to make sales. Right. So they had cupcakes at the end. And since they had more cupcakes than people, we got to take home a box of cupcakes, which in turn we didn't eat and instead kept donating. And this is where another perk came in. It, it seems like all these hotels have perks. I was staying at the Westin Copley and they had an area at the lobby level called Marathon Zone. So you go into this area, everyone is super friendly and welcoming to marathoners. They have compression socks and sleeves to let you try out, massage balls, stretching classes. It was really cool. So that was a kind of part of the Saturday too. So shakeout run, Puma, then hotel amenities. Okay, so anything else significant on Saturday? Yeah, so Saturday night we had scheduled to have dinner with Maria from the Fabulous Five Friends. What's the Fabulous Five Friends? So it's basically an Instagram group that is comprised of five people or that are all world major marathon runners. So it's, so she invited me to the event and then I invited about 10 more people. I think we had a probably about 40 people at the restaurant. It was an Italian restaurant. Add five plus 10, that's 15. <laughs> so how do you get 40? So they're not really five friends. I think they're just called five friends. Oh, so the Instagram is five people as one <laughs> and they have other friends. Yeah, I think they're going to have to change their name soon. But yeah, so we all went to Limoncello, which is an Italian restaurant in the North End. And it was a pasta day, right? Because you're supposed to start carb loading well before the two days before the marathon. So that's what we did. And it was good. After that, we were walking. And as you know, or maybe you don't, Boston is known for its pastries. 
So everybody wanted to get a pastry. I followed along and got a cannoli at a very famous place in Boston. There's Mike's and there's a competitor. I can't think of the name. We went to the competitor. <laughs> <laughs> you went to the one you can't remember. Yeah. So that sounds like a fun Saturday. So uh, what happened Sunday? Sunday, I was eating the cannoli. <laughs> Wait, you didn't eat it on Saturday? I took a bite of it. You know I'm not that much into sweets. Okay. So I woke up, ate the cannoli, and then went to a shakeout run. Or actually, I went to a meetup in the Boston Commons, which is a big park, to meet the Dashing Whippets for their shakeout run. So who are the Dashing Whippets? It's a Boston running group, and we had one of the coaches on... Kristen Smith. She was one of our interviews. She, she had uh, invited me and I went and said hi to her. So you know what a whippet is? It's a greyhound, a running dog. The running dog, yeah. No, I don't think they're greyhounds though, right? They're different. Oh. It's actually, it's a running dog though. Yeah. They're actually interesting because the whippets, they, I think they have a mutation in myostatin scientifically to kind of determine. Basically, it's a myostatin's like this interesting gene that prevents you from growing muscles. So they have deficient myostatin and they grow like big muscles. Oh. It's really kind of interesting. So if anyone wants to look it up, they can. Okay. But and spell myostatin for those of us that don't know. M-Y-O-S-T-A-T-I-N, I think, myostatin. But if you look up Whippet, you can you can see him. It's kind of interesting. Well, everybody looked normal, you know, the <laughs> shakeout run. So I actually just said hi to her, but then we moved on to another area of the Boston Commons because one of the people I was traveling with had also looked up a shakeout run. And this shakeout run was hosted by Backline, which is a New York-based uh, streetwear, joggingwear attire company. And we did our shakeout run with them. They were super awesome. Their shakeout run was about three miles long and it ended at a coffee shop close to our hotel. And the owner of this place actually ended up buying everyone that was there their coffee and a pastry. So super nice. And they gave us swag, socks and stuff. So after all those runs and the coffee. <laughs> I had promised myself to take it easy. So all I did was get the souvenirs for our kids, a mermaid and a lobster. <laughs> so that was pretty much it. So where was dinner? So dinner was at Wagamama in the Prudential Center. I ordered the vegetarian ramen, which ended up being spicy ramen. And, you know, you're not supposed to eat spicy before your marathon, but luckily it didn't affect me. Well, I think you could eat spicy if you're used to it, but you probably don't want to eat spicy if you're not used to it. Well, how much am I used to spicy these days? Because then you may end up the guy in the front yard of someone's house on the ring camera pooping, which is a topic for tomorrow, race day. Yes, it will be. So yeah, after that, we're at the hotel and we're watching inspirational movies. If you have not done that before, your marathon, I highly recommend that. We watched Spirit of the Marathon and I actually fall asleep, fell asleep watching it. And it was amazing though. It was a, it's, it's a great thing to do, I feel like, watching a movie about inspiring marathoners right before the race. So I think watching inspirational videos is either going to set you up for some a good time or disappointment <laughs> when you can't meet the time that other people do. That's true. It could go either way. Hopefully you guys will just be inspired by it and then just run your own PR instead of <laughs> disappointed that you're not running a two-hour two marathon after watching a movie. <laughs> well, I guess it's like with anything else they say. Try it out in your training. See how it makes you feel before your long run. You visualize your time. 
Exactly. So you want to give us a race recap then of the day of the race? Yes, Judgment Day. So this is Monday, Marathon Monday, not Sunday. And also, it doesn't start at 6, 7 o'clock for those runners that are used to running races early. The marathon starting line is in Hopkinton. So you do have to comply with your wave requirement and go to the school buses. My school bus, I was in the second wave, was at 7.30, picking you up from the Commons, Boston Commons, taking you to Hopkinton. Once you get to Hopkinton, about an hour later, it's time to start waiting. And Ryan, unlike the previous Boston Marathon that I had done in the past, the last time it was with a rolling start. So basically I would get to Hopkinson's and then just kind of get out of the bus, go to the restroom and start running. Here we had to go to something called Athletes Village where you literally have three or four tents, massive, huge tents on grass. And you sit down and kind of camp out until your wave is called. And my wave didn't start until 10.30. So literally you're sitting waiting in the cold because it was a cold morning for those hours. Everybody's dressed in blankets and throwaway shoes and throwaway clothes. Shoes? Shoes also, yes. Some runners bring shoes because they're expecting a little bit of wetness and rain. And uh. they have their running shoes around their neck. Hopefully nobody will ever forget them in any kind of porta potties because that would be devastating. You'd have to run the whole race in your throwaway shoes. But yeah, uh, you wait a lot. There's long lines for the porta potties. And then, and in our case, it also started sprinkling a little bit. But yeah, so that was the lead up before we got into our corrals. The starting line is about half a mile from where your corrals start. So you gotta walk a little bit. They have plenty of places where you can discard your clothing, your throwaway clothing, and then it's it's race time. I felt like I was waiting for the recap to start during that time. Well, it's a pretty significant beginning. If you think about it, you have more time that you spend getting to the race and waiting than you actually spend running in most cases. Did you give me a tent? Throwaway chair? Come on. <laughs> Are we finally into the beginning of the race now? Are we going to talk about each individual okay, step much. of the marathon? I think the rolling start is kind of cool. I wonder what other people think. Like if people like that or they want the environment of a, you know, a crowd together and everyone leave at the same time. It's more convenient. You get there, you get set up in your own time and you just start. Absolutely. I agree with you, especially given that now this time when I started with everyone else, the first four or five miles were really crowded. Whereas... When I did the rolling start, it was still crowded, just not as crowded. It just felt like it was flowing a lot better. Yeah, I'm sure with a marathon that size, I mean, it's not like you're going to start and not have people around you. I mean, there will always be people around. Exactly. You're talking 30,000 people. So so I like to break it up in the first half, second half, just for some chronologic order. But is there anything significant at the beginning of your race? Most races, you know, you obviously have the challenges of running and everything else. I mean, this race, it was weather-wise rainy and cold, but are there any memorable parts? Well, I didn't remember how much rolling hills this race has the entire time. Um, but, you know, like I said to you before, this race, I was coming off an ankle injury. I had actually broken my ankle two months ago, so I was just happy to complete it. So I just kind of embraced it. It was beautiful weather. It was perfect running weather, actually, because it was cold, but you warm up. So it felt really good. 
Yeah, I remember when you were done, you were freezing. But during the race, you were comfortable the whole time? During the race, I felt amazing. The rain that started in the middle, well, kind of at the beginning, it was always a little drizzly, but then it started raining hard. It didn't bother me a single bit. It felt good. So um, did you notice the rain and weather affect the crowds? Not really. I was actually looking out for that. I was expecting there to be less spectators because if it's raining like that and cold, when you're standing there, it's freezing. But people didn't go away. People were cheering the entire time. It was amazing. Yeah. So any anything significant during that first half or so? Well, actually, right at the first half, there was Screaming Tunnel. What is that? So Screaming Tunnel, it's not a real tunnel. It's just Wellesley College is situated on the right side of the course. And all the people or a lot of the students that go there come out and they scream. And you can literally hear them a mile away screaming. And they have their signs up. You know, it's, it's known that a lot of people go kiss the Wellesley girls. I just high-fived all of them. It was super loud. And you could hear them, you know, half a mile later still. So no kissing for you? No, no. Of course, I didn't want to slow down my time, you know. But I did see some, <laughs> I did see some runners kissing and taking selfies with the girls. It was funny. So we've gotten to the second half of the marathon. Um, any significant events? So on the second half of the race, there's some hills. Yes, the Newton Hills. And is Heartbreak Hill somewhere in the second half or the first half? So Heartbreak Hill is part of the Newton Hills. Does it come right after the Wellesley girls so that you get a kiss from the Wellesley girl and then your heart is broken? Is the Boston Marathon analogous to a teenage relationship? Pretty much. I think you beat the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Yes, it is kind of like a teenage relationship. So the Newton Hills are hills that you can expect between miles 17 and a half to 21 um, during this course, it's four hills, and the last one of the hills is called Heartbreak Hill. <laughs> okay, so you got through the hills, and you're heartbroken now. Well, my heart wasn't really broken, but yeah, I, I kind of liked it. I don't know, I kind of liked the rolling hills, because we're so used to the flats of Florida. But at the same time, obviously, I didn't have the training. The highest hill we have here is a bridge downtown that I ran over once. So, you know, it's, you can't really... It's hard to train. Yeah, you have to kind of lower your expectations or train harder. Then you got to see some friends? Yes. I did get to see some friends at mile 25. I almost ate it because I was waving at them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, which is kind of an insider joke between us because that's exactly how I broke my ankle before. I always tend to see people, I get excited, I turn around, but then momentum takes over and my, while my feet stop, my body keeps going and that's how I break my ankle. It's happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> so to give people a backstory, Letty is analogous to like a puppy dog. So like when you get home, you can imagine when you get home from work or something and the dog just comes running at you, doesn't think about the momentum going forward and slides right past you and into the door or something. And that's kind of what Letty does. So just to give you a visual of what's happening here. I'm a happy person. Yeah. Okay. So how's the end of the race? The end of the race is amazing, Ryan. They even have shirts because the Boston Marathon course goes from Hopkinton to Boston. As you know, it's a pretty straight line. And then you have the infamous right on Herford 
and left on Boylston Street. They even have t-shirts that say that. I almost purchased one. I was so into it. And you know you're at the end. So this is like in the last mile and the spectators are amazing and loud and it's just everything that you want. It's almost like, you know how I'm not that much of a crier. It's almost like it gives you goosebumps. <laughs> I crossed the finish line. I was very happy for the next 10 seconds. And then I got freezing cold. And then you called me crying. I might have been teared up a little bit, emotional, <laughs> drained, cold. It was an emotional experience, okay? okay? And I was happy to be there, happy I got my medal. But then I realized I had made one big mistake. What is the mistake? While I had booked a hotel room 0.2 miles from the finish line, I had checked my hotel key <laughs> in a check bag. That was probably half a mile from the finish line. So rather than just walking to my hotel and stepping into the shower with all my clothes on, I had to go retrieve my key. And while I did that, I was rerouted because a lot of the streets were blocked. So I probably added an extra mile and a half, which is not significant normally, but it was so cold because you're, you know, you were drenched from the rain and then it's freezing cold outside and all you have is a little space blanket. No, I definitely understand like, you know, whenever I don't run, I haven't ran marathons like that. But um, when you run like that, you definitely cool off quite quickly after when you stop. doesn't take long. Yes. And it was freezing. I mean, I didn't take a single picture. That's how cold I was. I know a lot of people are a lot tougher than me when it comes to temperatures. Temperature is one thing that I just really can't deal with. I do like the racing weather. The weather was perfect. It's just you have to have the right clothing for right afterwards. So you got to the hotel finally. You took a warm shower. Took a hot shower. And? And then afterwards went out and met with more friends down in my hotel lobby and had a couple of beers and just celebrated the awesomeness of this marathon and the running community. It was awesome. And did you go to any more press conferences? Yes. So Tuesday, I didn't have a flight till four o'clock. There was a press conference at 10 o'clock where they had the winners of this race. So Kipchoge didn't win, right? But um, obviously he's one of the favorites. But who won? So yeah, Kipchoge was a favorite. Um, this race, this year's winner for the wheelchair was Marcel Hug, who broke his own course record. And then we have Evans Chabet, who won this race in the previous year. Um, and then for women, we had Helen Obiri, who won this race. And for the women's wheelchair, it was Susanna Scaroni. It was a pretty cool panel to watch. And the interviews were amazing. And at the press conference, they also had Kipchoge, just because everyone wanted to know what happened which was kind of funny because everybody can have a bad day. We have bad days when we run all the time. And I feel like him not having won this marathon just made him so much more human. Yeah, that must be hard. I think a lot of people too in that situation, they try to like the, the press likes to try to ask leading questions in order to get something shocking or just to have something to say, but he kind of answered more <laughs> matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of speculations going on because everybody was watching the televised race where there was at one point he didn't get his water bottle, which we all know his water bottle has nutrition in it. And so people were saying, oh, he 
lost it after that. Um, in reality, he just said he had some issues with his leg and that he just didn't have the best day. So I, I still have a massive amount of respect. He's still the world record holder for the marathon distance. And so I feel like he's even more inspiring after, after not having won Boston. Did he finish it? Yes, he finished it. What was the time? 20925. That's so crazy fast. 20925, yeah. Yeah. That's cool that he didn't didn't stop or something, you know. I mean, which would would be understandable if you drop out if you're at that elite level where running is something that makes you money. Dropping out just means that you have a better recovery for future races because the marathon is putting such a strain on you, but yeah, I think it's it's cool that he finished it too. The Olympics are not until April of next year, so he says. He has a year to recover. Um he was asked what future races he has besides the Olympics and he said he didn't have anything set up yet. He was still discussing it with his team. So that was that. It was cool. And then after that, it was time to head back to the airport. Of course, everyone in the entire city of Boston that ran the marathon was wearing their finisher jackets. It was funny. It was like the whole city was in uniform and um, wearing medals, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That's the wrap up of this amazing event. I think after hearing uh, a couple of these, it's fun to get more of a picture of the experience in my mind. But one of these days, I'll end up going with you. No, absolutely. You should come with me. And for all of you guys who want to see a little bit of uh, what we did this weekend, we are on Instagram. We're at Running Podcast. And I have been posting Kipchoge's post-race interview and a lot of uh, other things on there. If you're interested at all, give us a follow. And I think that's it for today. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you're still here, we appreciate you listening. Let us know if you like our podcast by leaving us a review on Apple. And that's basically it for today. So tune in for next week for another exciting episode of the Marathon Running Podcast. And until then, have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.